And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. Uh, what's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a fantastic week. Um, yeah, great show for you today. Uh, great show. Somebody I've wanted to have on for a while. Uh, I was joined by Senator Eric Brakey, who is a state senator up in Maine and is the Republican uh, nominee for the U.S. Senate up there in Maine. He's running against incumbent uh, Senator Agnes King, who's a very far-left guy, somebody we really want uh, out <laughs> out of Washington, and uh, Eric is definitely the best man for that job, um, so I was happy to chat with him, and uh, we did touch on a little bit of punditry before we got to the campaign, we did talk about the uh, Michael Cohen stuff, so never fear, we didn't ignore the news, we did we did chat about that a little bit. Um, yeah, before I get to uh, Senator Brakey, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at Premier Vapor. If you smoke and want to quit, or if you vape already, you definitely need to check out Premier Vapor. They have the largest selection of premium e-liquid anywhere in the country. All their stuff is FDA compliant. All their stuff is made safely um, with the best ingredients out in California at their state-of-the-art lab. Um, They have any kind of tank, any kind of coil, any kind of battery or mod you need. They have just the best stuff. They have physical stores in Perrysburg and Holland, Ohio. If you're traveling through Northwest Ohio, check them out in person. If not, uh, you can find them at Premier Vapor and Lounge.com. That is Premier Vapor and Lounge.com. And they will give you free shipping on all orders over 35 bucks. Uh, you definitely can't beat that. And if you don't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Uh, please uh, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud if you're on iTunes. Please give us a five star rating and a good review. And like always, our shows come out on Monday and Wednesday afternoons. The content will always be free, but if you want to support us monthly, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. Uh, there's cool incentives if you choose to do so. Uh, if not, it's all good. Just uh, tell your friends about us and help spread the word, share it, retweet it, all that good stuff. Without further ado, here's my chat with Senator Eric Brakey. All right, guys, we're here with state senator and Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate in the great state of Maine, Senator Eric Brakey. Senator, thanks so much for taking the time, man. I'm glad to be on with you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Um, so before we get to, to you and the campaign, um, I, I have to ask you to take your politician hat off just briefly and put on your pundit hat um, <laughs> just just for a second. Very Obviously, good. all uh, everyone's talking about is the uh, Michael Cohen plea deal where uh, the former lawyer for the president is accusing the president of breaking uh, campaign finance laws, essentially. Um, I'm, I'm actually kind of struggling to understand how this changes much. I don't think we really learned anything we didn't already know. So um, does anything come of this? So what's your what's your opinion on the Cohen situation? You know, the whole situation seems to me like it's been a massive fishing expedition. Right. You know, here in America, our criminal justice system is supposed to be uh, we see a crime and we go look looking for the person who committed the crime. But instead, we've got that kind of reverse. They see President Trump and they're going looking through everything to see if they can find crimes to uh, accuse him of. That's that's not how our system is supposed to work. Uh, and to the particular accusations here, I think that there are still a lot more questions than answers. Uh, you know, the, the, the simple fact that uh, the 
the person who's making this accusation has been very, very heavily uh, leaned upon by the government to uh, to give them information to go after the president and to get a lesser sentence. I think that that certainly calls into question a little bit, you know, what uh, if we can take that testimony simply on face value. Uh, is there corroborating evidence? Well, we haven't seen that yet. I think there are a lot more questions than answers, but you know, let's let's put that aside. You know, when the people of America elected Donald Trump, they weren't electing a priest. Right. <laughs> they were electing a president. And certainly Donald Trump is not, you know, he's he's not a perfect person. He has his own moral failings as we all do. Um, you know, from what I can tell, this seems to be just another thing in this long witch hunt. You know, it seems like just a week ago we were supposed to be up in arms and scared about Russia. Now we're supposed to be up in arms about, you know, this uh, covering up of, of, of certain affairs. And you know what? If if there was lying that took place, I mean, uh, you know, I'm more concerned about the, the not about someone lying and trying to cover up a private affair. I'm more concerned about folks like James uh, James Clapper and, and, and Comey and all the others who have lied to Congress, lied about the massive spying programs on the American citizens, have lied about spying on, on the uh, uh, congressional committees that are supposed to be overseeing these intelligence agencies. Those are the lies I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about the lies that actually affect what the government is doing to us on an everyday basis. Right. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, and look, if Ronald Reagan was the Teflon president, you know, they called him because nothing stuck to him. I don't know what that makes Trump. I, maybe he's the he's got like the master chief armor from Halo or something. I don't know. But every week the Democrats think they have the silver bullet that's going to take him out, um, even if they do take back the House and, and you know, impeach him. Uh, the chances of getting a two-thirds vote in the Senate to remove him from office, I think is, unless he, you know, endangers national security or something like that, I think it's next to nothing. Um, obviously, only two presidents have ever been impeached, and they were both acquitted by the Senate. So I just don't really think uh, anything is going to come of it. But back to you. How is the campaign trail treating you, my friend? Well, it's a very exhausting process, but I thankfully I've got a ton of energy. And it's really encouraging. We're seeing the grassroots here in Maine really come into its own. You know, we've got so many grassroots supporters across the state of Maine and all 16 counties who are who believe in the cause of liberty that we're fighting for. Now, this is I you know, I have no illusions. This is this is very much I, this is an underdog campaign. Uh, but you know what? We have a we have a strong message and our message is a very simple one. We want Washington, D.C. to leave us the hell alone and let us in Maine and, and people in other states. Let us have our establish our own policies that make sense in our state. That's what this country was built on, the idea that the states were going to be the laboratories of innovation, and yet here in Maine, we've got this city 500 miles away that's pushing one-size-fits-all policies on all the hundreds of millions of people in this country. It's not working, and we need to change that. Absolutely. And this this race is is so interesting. I, the contrast between you and, and your opponents alone is <laughs> is just startling. The incumbent, um, Senator Agnes King, uh, who's, you know, he kind of hides behind the independent label, but he's a very far left guy. And then the Democrats are running a socialist. Um, so just the, the contrast between you, a liberty candidate, and, and Agnes King, who's kind of this establishment lefty kind of guy, and then a, a Democratic socialist. It's very strange that, that a, a state like Maine, which is it's kind of a blue state, but not... You know, it's almost a purple state at this point, I'd say, and uh, that they would run these two extremely far-left guys. Um, what, what do you make at that, that, that Maine is producing these lefties consistently? 
Well, I'll say I think the the leftist movement in Maine is is very far to the left, but that's part of the reason why the Democrats and and the liberals in the state have been losing so many elections, right. because they have left left behind uh, working class blue collar people here in the state uh, who don't buy the social justice warrior garbage, the 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 socialism that's being pushed on us all. So uh, Maine really has become a purple state in the last ten years. You know, we have a a two term very conservative Republican governor. We have a Republican U.S. senator. We've got one of our two congressional districts uh, is both represented by a Republican and also voted for Donald Trump. Uh, so Maine has really been a state in, in transition. I think that we are very much the most conservative state in New England. And I like to sometimes joke we're kind of like the Texas of New England. We both like our guns and we both like our boots. Right, right. So do you think the Democrats running somebody two kings left is going to hurt them? Uh, I do think it helps reveal a little bit what uh, what anger. King is, you know, my my uh, my socialist opponent, Zach Ringelstein, the Democrat Party candidate, he's an avowed Democratic socialist. You know, we have something in Maine called ranked choice voting, where people can rank their choices one, two, and three. And he came out and said, you know, this is the socialist set, saying, well, my second choice is Angus King because he's way better than Eric Brakey. Well, from a socialist perspective, I completely get that because, well, <laughs> we've got one candidate who is a who is a open socialist. Angus King is kind of a closet socialist. Right. You know, we've got one candidate who wants socialism today and another candidate who wants socialism tomorrow. And I'm the only candidate who wants Washington, D.C. to leave us alone and let us make our own choices. Absolutely. And I, I want to break down a couple of your, your policy points. Um, you believe that the war in Iraq was, was a mistake, which is very important to me and very important to, to a lot of conservatives and, and libertarians across the country. Um, you know, you saw guys like uh, Senator Paul using that as a litmus test for, for candidates. Do you believe that the war in Iraq was a mistake? How do you grade um, the foreign policy of the Trump administration so far, especially in the Middle East? And what would you be advocating for if you're elected to the U.S. Senate? Yeah, so first of all, I, I'll say I, I thought that President Trump's America first foreign policy that he advocated for in the campaign was very refreshing and in, 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 in the ways that it was similar to kind of the non-interventionist foreign policy that Ron Paul advocated for and Rand Paul advocated for, though, of course, there are there are differences. Um, I think that when it's come to engaging diplomatically with countries like Russia and North Korea, I think that President Trump has done uh, an amazing job in many respects, even to the point where I remember when he was you know, dropping Twitter bombs on North Korea, talking about how big his big red button was, calling him Rocket Man. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, my God, what is our president doing? He's going to get us into war with North Korea. And before I knew it, we were actually at the peace peace table negotiating a peace we haven't seen in 60 years. Right. And certainly there's a lot of work to be done there. Um, but uh, but I have to commend him for, for getting at least this far. Uh, I commend him that he... Uh, well, I, I wasn't a fan of him dropping bombs in in Syria. I think that that, that requires a congressional authorization of war. Um, he certainly has been more restrained than I think some other presidents would have been. And I appreciate the fact that he seems to have backed off what the neoconservatives were pushing for and the neoliberals were pushing for, which is you know regime change in Syria and this failed policy of nation building all over again that we've seen fail in Libya, that we've seen fail in Iraq. And we've seen, um, as we've been trying to nation build in Afghanistan now for 17 years, and it isn't working. So there's certainly much further I would want to encourage the president to go in pers 
pursuing this America first policy. I want to see us bring the troops home. I want to see us end the war in Afghanistan. I want us to see us stop meddling in the Middle East so much militarily uh, and really be engaging diplomatically, which is what we've seen him be doing in some other spheres. Right, definitely. And you mentioned Syria. I think Syria is a big turning point um, as well, because what we do in Syria is going to dictate the next 10 years of Middle Eastern foreign policy. If we decide to go in and and, you know, kill Assad and, and try to replace him with someone else, that would be an absolute disaster. You know, obviously he's a bad guy, he's a killer, but he's a, a secular dictator. Um, and if you if you take him out, who's going to, you know, you're going to get a guy with a beard down to here and a turban up to here and who wants to kill all non-Muslims on the planet. And at least uh, Assad, uh, his only goal is to stay alive and in power. So um, I, yeah. at least the fact that we don't have, you know, boots on the ground in Syria is... Is encouraging, I guess, at the very, at the yeah. very least. Um, you, isn't it? Isn't it crazy though to think that we've just been on the same broken record over and over and over again for the last two decades, from Iraq to Libya, now to Syria. You can even go all the way back to Iran. You know, it's been right. the same failed policy again and again. Yeah, you can go back to uh, the late '70s in Afghanistan. You know, we basically tricked the Soviet Union into getting into Afghanistan, then we armed. Um, a young Muslim man named Osama bin Laden to to fight the the Soviets, and you know that turned out you know great for everybody. Um, you, you speak a lot about uh, auditing the Fed, which is something we've talked about on the show. Uh, an audit the Fed bill, I believe, has passed the House twice, maybe three three times, I believe. Three times. Three times. Uh, but it always dies in the Senate. For the people listening that don't understand what this means. Um, explain what the audit the Fed bill would do and, and why it's important to elect senators that take the Federal Reserve seriously. Well, first of all, say, you know, the Federal Reserve, it's it's our central bank. They are they create all the money and they can just on a whim create trillions of dollars out of thin air. We used to say they print the money, but they don't even do that anymore. They just add zeros onto the ends of, uh, right. of uh, digital zeros on things and, and, and tell banks they have you know this much digital money uh, in their accounts. Um, but this inflates the money supply and it can wreak havoc on our economy. You know, as uh, uh, you know, F.A. Hayek, the Austrian economist, won the Nobel Peace Prize for uh, his theory on the Austrian business cycle, which is basically when you have this artificial expansion of the money supply, it creates it creates uh, these bubbles in the economy, which 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 burst like we saw in 2008 with the housing crisis. Like we have seen repeatedly over and over again, if you look back in the economic history of this country since the creation of the Federal Reserve. Right. This has been one of the great fights actually since the very founding of our country, whether or not to have a central bank or not. Um, so the Federal Reserve, they've got monopoly control over our money supply and they have they have created and handed out trillions upon trillions of dollars to foreign banks, to foreign central banks and to foreign uh, well-connected special interests. And we the people don't get to know what they're doing with our money. This goes on completely in secret, in private. Uh, and Audit the Fed would simply allow us to see the books, to see the decisions that they're making and hold them accountable for it. Now, there are many in Congress who fight against that. Uh, they say that if we were to have transparency at the Federal Reserve, that somehow that would that would uh, impact their independence as an organization if we, the people, got to know what they're doing with our money. In fact, the man I'm running against, Angus King, has been one of the biggest critics of Audit the Fed. In fact, we have four members of the main congressional delegation. Three of them support Audit the Fed. One of them opposes it. And this November, we're going to have an opportunity to replace that, that person and get in someone who's going to be an advocate for transparency at the Federal Reserve. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I cannot agree more with that. What we really need in the Senate is, 
Yeah, I, I'm not. I don't have too big of ex- expectations here. I know if you're elected to the U.S. Senate, you're not going to become Senate Majority Leader right away, right? I don't think the establishment would let a Rand Paul or, or you or even the Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, you know, lead the party's caucus in the Senate. But what we need is similar to what we have in the House, which is the the Freedom Caucus, right, where there's 12 or 14, something like that, congressmen who it's they're at least a large enough voting block that Paul Ryan has to take them seriously because they can sink bills. They they can sink votes. And in the Senate we really don't have that. We have Rand Paul, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz. That's it. <laughs> right, which just isn't enough votes. They can't really wield enough votes to stop some of these bad bills or influence the bills that do get passed. If that number was up around 7 or 8, that, that would be enough votes for you guys to be taken seriously by the leadership. You'd be able to influence the process. Is that is that kind of the way you view it? I, I don't think that the libertarian movement, the, the true conservative movement, is going to take over the Republican Party. Because they are kind of a big big government party right now. It's not the party of Cal- Calvin Coolidge. It's more of a Teddy Roosevelt party. But if, if you only had you know, seven, eight, nine senators that voted the way you would, I think you'd have enough power to, to influence votes in, in, a, in a meaningful way. If you have enough, if you have a big enough coalition in the Senate, uh, a, a gang of people who understand our Constitution and, and support liberty as a first principle, that's when you start to really have some ability to have an influence and shape on, on the direction of things. Obviously, we're not going to have a majority, and you don't necessarily need to have a majority. But once you have a, a strong, a strong coalition there, you're in a much better position both to have inside leaders that are championing. Uh, issues of liberty in the Senate, and also holding the other politicians accountable to the people. Uh, We have a big opportunity. If we're going to get there, we need to look at some of the biggest opportunities we have are in these small states. Maine is a very small state population-wise, 1.3 million people. You know, compared to a state like Texas or California, we're very small. But you know what? We have two U.S. senators, just like those states do. We count just as much. And here in Maine, actually, Maine is probably the least expensive state in the country this election cycle where we can win a U.S. Senate seat. And we can win it not just to get some establishment Republican elected who's going to be a part of the swamp. We can get a liberty-minded Republican elected. That's what I'm running for. That's our opportunity. And I will say to any of your listeners, if they want to chip in and and help elect a a libertarian Republican in the U.S. Senate, who's going to fight there with, with Senator Rand Paul and others for our Constitution for Freedom, go to ericbrakey.com and $10, $25, $50, whatever you can contribute makes a big difference in a small state like Maine. Absolutely. And I, I've endorsed you on the show before, but I'll reiterate that right now. You have my full endorsement. And I do encourage everybody to go to the website, contribute if you've got the money. If you're from Maine or anywhere in the Northwest, even even if you're out of state, if you have time, um, I'm sure uh, Senator Brakey's going to need people to go door-to-door. Uh, need people to phone bank, that kind of stuff are, is the backbone of every campaign. It's really important. It's really effective. So uh, not only money, but your time as well is very valuable if you want to go uh, uh, donate and everything. Where can everybody follow you on social media and, and, and keep involved that way? Yeah, go to our Facebook page, Eric Brakey for U.S. Senate, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Senator Brakey. All right. Senator Brakey, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, best of luck, man. I know it's uh, I know you're working 18-hour days out there, and uh, it's only going to get crazier between now and November. But uh, hopefully we can have you back on in a couple months, and, and we can touch base again and see how the campaign's going. And, uh, yeah, everybody check out the site, donate, get involved. It's the right thing to do. Uh, thanks again, Eric. And uh, I'm Brady Leonard. I will be back on Monday. No gimmicks.